exciting time with online church. With we're back to almost normal life. Can't travel overseas, but everything else is back to normal. And I love the fact that last week we started a series called Flex Your Faith. Pastor Sam was like, come on, now's the time to put this thing out there. Now's the time to put this thing to work. Now's the time to demonstrate. We've been locked down for several months and God did some stuff and God prepared some stuff, but now's the time to kind of break that thing out and let it loose. And I love that and I totally agree with it because you know why? Because Jesus did the same. I'd never really thought about it before until lockdown. But do you know what? Jesus was in isolation, self-isolation for 40 days in the wilderness. Jesus was in lockdown for 40 days just by himself with the devil missing, messing with his head. I don't know if you can relate to that. But God dealt with some stuff in the wilderness in Jesus. But when he came out of the wilderness, man, it was all on. This thing just broke open and Jesus flexed his faith. And do you know what? The world has never been the same again. And, and I want to look at the passage today where Luke tells us about what Jesus did coming out of lockdown, what Jesus did when he flexed his faith. Because I reckon there's some things in there that are going to help us flex our faith, that are going to activate our faith, that are going to allow us to demonstrate the kingdom in a way that we've never seen before. So if you've got a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 4. This is where Luke tells the story. This is what he says from verse 14. Jesus returned, i.e. from the wilderness, to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about Him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everybody praised Him. Then it goes on to say in verse 16, He went to Nazareth, where He had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, He went into the synagogue, as was His custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to Him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. And this is the quote from Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And then, one, I mean, I'd love to see this in, the, in a movie, just this dramatic moment. Then he rolled up the scroll gave it back to the attendant and sat down. Says the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, wondering what he's gonna say. And this is what he says, verse 21. He began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus flexed his faith. Jesus put it out there. Jesus activated everything that had been settled in the wilderness time, in the lockdown. It's like it's game on now. He stepped up, he stepped out. And I wanna ask, what could we learn from him? And I think there's a number of things that Jesus did that we could choose today that's gonna flex our faith. But before I do that, I just wanna give a bit of a framework to understand uh, what I'm gonna talk about. When I was thinking about this, I remembered a, a devotion that one of the students did at Equippers College last year. Uh, Abigail did this, did this devotion. She talked about snakes and ladders. I don't know if I'm the only one old enough to remember that game, but she said she grew up loving board games and her favorite was snakes and ladders. I don't know if you know the game, it's kind of got a hundred squares, you throw the dice and you move along and it's the first one to get right to the end. But the, the challenge is this, on the way, if you land on certain squares, there are ladders that propel you forward, that, that accelerate your momentum towards the goal. But then there are squares that if you land on, there's a snake 
very biblical concept, that, that takes you back and you find yourself just having to make up ground again. And, and it, was, it was a powerful devotion because she said, I think Christian life is like that. There are certain things we can do that will accelerate our progress, that will flex our faith, that will accelerate where we're going in God. But then there are certain challenges which we're not careful can take us backwards. And as we think about flexing our faith, I think we've got to think about what are the things that will accelerate us and what are the things that will take us backwards? And, and, and I think it's a powerful picture, but with, there's a couple of differences with faith because here's the thing. I want to say to you, it's not random chance whether you land on a square that has a ladder. You get to choose. You get to choose to put in place some things that will accelerate your faith. You get to choose to go, I am gonna do this thing because I am ready to flex my faith. I'm ready to activate this thing. I'm ready to get this thing going. And the other good news is if you happen to land on a snake, do you know what the Bible says? It says, Romans 16, 20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. You don't have to accept those snakes. You can stomp on that thing. You can go, no, I'm not going backwards. So it's incredibly empowering. We can choose to put ourselves in places that will accelerate our faith and we can choose to just deny, to stomp on, to stop the things that will take us backwards and make me spend the next year just playing catch up again. So with that kind of mindset, snakes and ladders, I wanna look at five things that Jesus did that will flex your faith. And if you'll choose to put yourself in these spaces, these things will accelerate you. They will activate you. They will demonstrate your faith in the season. And I don't know about you, but coming out of lockdown, I wanna get this thing fired up. I wanna activate this thing. I wanna, I wanna move this thing forward. So the five things I wanna talk about in this passage are the power of the Holy Spirit, the Bible, the community of faith, mission and action. Okay, the power of the Holy Spirit, the Bible, community, mission, and action. And I believe if we'll choose to put ourselves in those environments, we're gonna flex our faith. We're gonna activate this thing. This thing in your life and our church is gonna be propelled forward in ways that we can't even really imagine. So let's have a look at it. Number one, the power of the Holy Spirit. Going back to Luke 4, I wanna show you this is what Jesus did. So Luke 4, 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. He had gone into the wilderness full of the Spirit, but something happened in there that He came back in the power of the Spirit. If you're gonna flex your faith, it's not actually about flexing your faith. It's actually about having the power of the Holy Spirit in your life that it injects a power and energy and a momentum that you could never generate by yourself. You know, uh, when Jesus... Um, quotes this verse, this is what he says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me as a, as a, He's fully divine, but He's fully human. As a fully human person, He knows God is on me. God has anointed me. God is at work in my life. Come on, coming out of lockdown, I want to know that it's not just my faith, my work, but God is on me. The power of God is on me. I don't know if that's a way that you normally think about Jesus, but it's a way that Luke wants us to think about Jesus. In Acts 10, 38, he has a, he has a description of Jesus by Peter that's probably not the normal way we would describe Jesus. This is what he says. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. 
and how we went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with them. Yeah, he's fully divine, but he did his ministry as a man anointed with power, filled with power, filled with the Holy Spirit, called by God. That's great news because you're no different. You can be empowered by God. You can be anointed by God. You can be filled with God. It's like, man, if I wanna flex my faith, I wanna put myself in that place where I get filled with the Spirit, where I get immersed with the Spirit, where I get baptised in the Spirit. This, this theme, um, Luke is, this is all in the books that Luke wrote and he wrote a story about Jesus. He's the only guy that wrote a sequel about the church. It's called the book of Acts. And he parallels the experience of Jesus with the experience of the church. So if Jesus was anointed by the Spirit, if Jesus was empowered by the Spirit, how much more does the church need to be? So it's interesting in Acts chapter one, you know, a lot of the other gospels say, hey, great commission, like, Go and make disciples and like, oh yeah, we're gonna do this. Acts actually has a different command in verse four. And he actually says, don't leave yet. You need to wait for something. Because this is not about just your determination. This is not about your stickability. This is not about your faith. You need to wait for the gift that the Father's promised because in a few days, verse five, you are gonna be immersed in the Holy Spirit. And so Acts chapter one, verse eight, he says this, you will receive power. Come on, if you wanna flex your faith coming out of lockdown, man, how many people go, I need to empower. I need a fresh encounter. I need to know something has come upon my life that's bigger than I am, that could achieve more than I can imagine. I need to know there's an X factor to my faith. It's interesting, Jesus just says then, Oh, and then you will be my witness. It's not like, hey, this is a command I have to follow. It's like, if the power hits you, you're gonna find yourself in all kinds of places doing all kinds of things because there's a power on your life and you're gonna be witnesses. You're gonna have to kind of, hey, how come, how come you just rang me right at the time that I needed to know that? Well, I'm a Christian and the Holy Spirit just shows me. How, how, come, how come you prayed for me and, and God changed my situation? Yeah, because the power of God is at work here. How come you just, how come when you said that encouraging thing, it was just what I needed to know and no one else could have known? Yeah, because there's a power at work in my life that's above and beyond what, what I could do naturally. And if you wanna activate your faith, if you wanna flex your faith, it's like, man, I need to have this. And so, you know, Luke's really clear. He doesn't want powerless Christians. He doesn't want you trying to make this happen. So on the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit was poured out and, and people responded and they're like, what do we need to do? In Acts 2.38, Peter says this, yeah, repent. Yes, be baptized. Yes, in the name of Jesus. Yes, for the forgiveness of sin. But he doesn't stop then because that, that leaves you a forgiven, powerless Christian. And he never intended that. He wants a faith that can be empowered. So he says the final part, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Come on, we are designed to be empowered in this thing. If we're gonna flex our faith, we need a fresh encounter with the power. Every significant step in the book of Acts is marked by an encounter because they never wanna leave Christians without power. Acts chapter 10, when the first non-Jewish people, first true Gentiles come to faith. Acts 10, 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on those who heard the message. And then verse 45, the Jewish believers who'd come with Peter were astonished. What? 
that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out. So I need this. There's a really interesting incident in Acts 19, actually. It says when Paul got to Ephesus, it says this, uh, verse one, there he found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, for some Christians, it's like that's a theology question and the right answer is, yes, I did. And I'm like, oh, that's good, you've been taught right. He's not asking them a question about their theology. He's asking them a question about their experience because when he looks at them, he's like, there's something missing in your life. There's something missing. You're trying to do this, but you don't have this external power in your world. And, and they're like, no, we didn't even hear about this Holy Spirit. So Paul's trying to figure out where, where something got missed. And he's like, well, what baptism do you get, did you get? And they're like, oh, John's. And he's like, oh, no, that was just the first thing. Then Jesus came. And so verse 5, on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And some people are like, hallelujah, they're saved. But for Paul, that's not good enough yet. Because verse 6, when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Paul's like, I'm not going to leave you powerless. I'm I'm not going to leave you to do this thing by yourself. The first thing to flex our faith, paradoxically, is know there's a power in your life that's not about your flexing. It's about God's work in you. You know, Ephesians 5, when Paul kind of sums up his theology, he's like this. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. He's like, I want to see some Christians who are under the influence. I don't want to see Christians just walking around with their own mind and their ability. I want to look at them and know there's another power at work in their lives. If you're coming out of lockdown, the first ladder, the first square to get on, the first thing to flex your faith is, man, I need an encounter with the Spirit. I need to know that I'm filled with the Spirit. I need to know that this is at work in my life. It's hard to explain how important this is for the Apostle Paul. He has this understanding that we're headed towards this great thing out there when God does everything and it all comes together. And he's like, yeah, but we get a little bit of it now. And what's the thing that we get now? It's the Holy Spirit. If we haven't got that, we're missing out on the very thing that we do get to live in now. He has two images of that, one from agriculture and one from commerce. The one from agriculture is the idea that there's a future harvest of everything God's going to do. But in Romans 8.23, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. It's like the first little bit of the harvest is the Holy Spirit's power in your life. If you don't have that, we don't have the one thing that we do get to live in. And it's like, man, we don't want to get robbed of that. The other image he uses is from commerce. 2 Corinthians 5.5, he's given us the Spirit as a deposit, as a down payment. The full, the full deal comes when Jesus comes back. But right now you get to enjoy the down payment, which is the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1.13 and 14, he talks about this. You also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. Hallelujah, the gospel of salvation. Amen. When you believed, though, this, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. Paul's like, don't let anyone rob you of this thing. This is the first ladder. Like, this is, this is, this is square number one to make sure you get on this thing. So we need to be aware, like, I'm going to choose to step on this ladder. I'm going to choose to flex my faith by having a fresh encounter with God. Holy Spirit, come and fill me. Baptize me afresh. Give me power to do this thing. 
And so we need to be aware of the snakes that would rob us. We need to stomp on those things that would rob us of that. Just quickly, two snakes. A whole theology that says, oh no, that's not for now. That was just for the early church. You need to, that, how could anybody not see that, that it would be such a deception to rob you of the very thing that is the thing we get to live in now? To leave Christians powerlessness. Like, don't fall for that thing. Crush that snake. The other thing I think is disappointment. Oh, but I prayed for healing and they didn't get healed. Oh, I, someone gave me this prophetic word and I stepped out, but it didn't happen. Oh, I prayed to get filled with the Spirit and speak in tongues and nothing happened. Don't let disappointment rob you of that. Stomp on that st- snake and go, come on, I'm going after this because if I haven't got this, I haven't got to first base. I haven't got to the first ladder. If I'm gonna flex my faith, I need an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Is that all right? First thing, you wanna flex your faith? The power of the Spirit. Jesus came out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. But the second thing he did, kind of almost paradoxically, he anchored this whole thing in the Bible. A lot of people set that up as either or, but Jesus did both. You know, in Luke chapter four, when he goes to the synagogue, verse 17, he says, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, and he reads out Isaiah 61. And then at the end, 21, he says this, he began by saying them, today this scripture is fulfilled. He anchored his experience in the Bible. He took what his own encounter and he made sense of it in terms of the Bible. It wasn't like an either or, oh, I've had my encounter, I'm all good. No, he was a both and kind of guy. So I've got my encounter, but the next square is I need the weight of scripture behind this. I need to understand this. I need to interpret my, my experience in light of the Bible. You know, there's an old saying, if we have the Word without the Spirit, we dry up. If we have the Spirit without the Word, we blow up. If we have the Word and the Spirit, we grow up. Jesus flexed His faith by declaring, I have been anointed by God, but He also made sense of that through the Bible. He was a Spirit man and He was a Word man. And if you're gonna flex your faith, you need both. That's what happens in the book of Acts. On the day of Pentecost, they have this incredible encounter And people are trying to make sense of it. And Peter stands up, verse 16. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Do you see? He anchors it back to the Bible. Same thing happens in Acts 15 when they have this council to debate like, oh my goodness, all this crazy stuff's happening amongst these Gentiles. Verse 15. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this. It is written. You got that? They were strong in the Spirit and they were strong in the Word. They flexed their foot. Faith by activating both. And it's like, man, I need this. You know, in the wilderness, Jesus' default, devil tends him, it is written. I love the fact that it's not an either or. It's like, I'm gonna have everything of God's Spirit and I'm gonna have everything of God's Word. And if I'm gonna flex my faith, I need to step on the ladder of encounter and I need to step on the ladder of His Word. I need to dive deeper into experience and I need to dive deeper into His Word. I'm gonna flex my faith and grow in both. So what's the snakes for this one? Maybe the people are like, oh, I don't really need the Bible, that's a bit boring, you know. I meet God out walking on the beach and looking at the stars, and or I just listen to what the Holy Spirit tells me. Well, that wasn't good enough for Jesus. He brought his experience back 
in line with the Word. The apostles interpreted their experience in light of the Word. It's like, no, no, stomp on that thing. You need to get strong in the Bible as well as the Spirit. Maybe the other snake is, oh, but there's lots of great spiritual writers. Yeah, there are, but the Bible is God's standard. And if I'm gonna flex my faith, I need to be strong in the Spirit, but I also need to be strong in God's Word. And when I put the two together, there's something that the, the, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. A people of God who know their God by experience and know their God by His Word. They know the breath of God and they know the Word of God. So Jesus modeled five things that flex our faith. Number one, the power of the Spirit. Number two, the Bible. And you're like, man, what else could you need? Me and God, we're all good. I got the experience and I got the knowledge. Well, the third thing is actually community. And I love in verse 16 of Luke 4, it says to this, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, this, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. Jesus knows he's anointed by God. He knows the word of God, but he knows he has to live this out in community. How cool is that? It's like these three together have a synergy that anyone by themselves doesn't have. You know, in Acts chapter 15, when they're having a big debate, in verse six, it says, the apostles and elders met to consider this question. No one just said, oh, well, I've heard from God or I've got my verse. It's like, no, we, need, we do this thing in relationship. We figure this thing out together. And verse seven says this, after much discussion, you can't claim that, well, you've got certainty on everything. It doesn't work like that. We have the Spirit. We have the Word, but we figure this thing out in community. And if I'm going to flex my faith, I need an encounter with the Spirit. I need to understand God's Word, but I need to be planted in community. You know, I love their conclusion in Acts 15, 28. It just says this, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Like we're figuring this thing out and, and there's not a lot of certainty in that. Like it seems like this is what we should do. It's like, man, I need to not be stupid enough to think I can figure this thing all out by myself. Oh, well, the Spirit speaks to me. Oh, well, I read the Word. Yeah, so did Jesus, but he lived it out in community. So did the early church, but they lived it out in community. You know, Jesus was all about relationships. He was all about groups. You know, he, sociologists talk about different sized groups and how they function. Jesus didn't think that he could do this by himself. You know, he had a little close group of three guys that were his just real intimate friends. Then he had a group of 12, which is where he lived out discipleship. And then he had a group of around 70 or 120, which is like a congregation. And then he preached to the masses. Jesus knew like, I am a, I am a creation of the groups that I immerse myself in. And you know, like if you're gonna, if you're gonna flex your faith, yeah, have an encounter with the Spirit. Yeah, dive into God's Word. But thirdly, plug yourself into community. Have two or three special friends you catch up for coffee with. Plug yourself into a small group where you're, where you're there for each other. Be involved in a service where you're kind of mixing with people you wouldn't normally mix with, intergenerational, multi-ethnic. But then put yourself in big environments uh, where God does something. Sociologists call it ecstasy, not the drug. It's the thing where you're caught up in a moment where stuff shifts. You know, I was thinking, when I was 15, I, I was in this big conference and there was a moment of just saying, who wants to give their lives to serve God? And somehow I found myself at the front going, yes, God, I don't even know why I did that. But like 
42 years later, I'm still living it out. You can't tell me that it's just emotion. You can't tell me that it's just hype. Stuff happens. You need to get to shout if you can, because stuff happens. You need to get into part of an e-group if you can, because stuff happens. You need to commit to a service if you can, because stuff happens. Yeah, I got the Spirit. Yeah, I got the Word, but I'm also plugged into community. So I just will. So what are the snakes that we need to stomp on? might sound a bit radical or something, but I want to say, you know, we're made for relationship. If I think back about my time uh, being involved in Bible colleges, do you know the main reason I've, I've seen people drop out? The search for intimacy, that they end up in an inappropriate emotional connection that ends up in an inappropriate physical connection. You are made for relationship, but stomp on the head of that thing that is gonna, it's gonna be a snake that takes you down. And yeah, you can come back, but you're gonna waste years going back over ground that you did. Find true connection. But the other snake is just the things like offense and disappointment that make us walk away from community. Like, don't let the devil do that to you. Part of flexing our faith is my encounter with the Spirit. It's my engagement with the Word, but it's also my connection to the community. And when we do those three things together, we are gonna activate something because that's how Jesus activated something. So we got the power of the Spirit. We got the power of the Bible. We got the power of community. It's like, what else could you want? Well, Jesus stood up and he quoted from Isaiah 61 and he said this, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me, what? To proclaim good news to the poor, sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I wanna tell you the power of the Spirit, the power of his word lived out in community is for a cause. And if you wanna, if you wanna flex your faith, put that all together for a cause. And I love, this is often called the the Nazareth Manifesto. It's like, it just gathers everything up because it's got the evangelistic thing. He's anointed me to proclaim the gospel. But then it's got the social action thing, to the poor, to help prisoners, to, to help the oppressed. But then it's got the Holy Spirit thing, recovery of sight for the blind and setting the oppressed tree. It's, it's kind of got the word and it's got deeds and it's got signs. It's got word, works and wonders. It's like this whole manifesto of the cause that everything, that power of the Spirit, that power of the word, that power of community, all is to set up a people who flex their faith for a mission that we have a cause and equip us has a cause. And it's like, man, and and it's all summed up in verse 19, this, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour, to bring blessing for people who don't know about Jesus, to give them the news, for people who are lost and hurting, to to show love and freedom, for people who need a supernatural encounter to minister the Holy Spirit to them. Whatever the need, God's favour comes to them. If I'm gonna flex my faith, all of that stuff, the Spirit, the Bible, community is all for a cause. You know, I love Ezekiel 37. Prophesy to the breath. There's the Holy Spirit thing. And say to it, there's the Word thing. Come breath from the four winds, breathe into this land that they may live. So I prophesied as He commanded me. Breath entered them and they came to life and they stood up. Oh, there's the community thing. Get that? The breath, the word, the they part. But here, they stood on their feet 
a vast army. God is interested in flexing a faith of a people who have a cause, who give themselves to mission. Quickly, what are the snakes with that? I think just apathy and comfort. I can't be bothered. I don't want to get out of my comfort zone to cross the road to help a broken person, to welcome the prodigal home. But you know, one of the other snakes is a division. It's like this manifest, we have the churches, like we're the word churches. We preach the word. We have the, we have the social action churches. We help the poor and we stand up for injustice. Then we have the Holy Spirit churches. Oh, we have the power of God and Jesus must be out there like, no, these are supposed to all fit together. Imagine a people of God who have the word, the deed and the sign, who reach out to the poor and needy, but share their faith and bring the power of God into their situation. Don't let the devil divide what God meant to be together. So the five things that flex our faith, the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was anointed. The Bible, he knew, he knew where to find the substance to that. It's like the river flowed within these banks. The power of community, he lived this out in relationship and all for the cause of a mission. But number five is action. If, was, if this was a theology lecture, I'd use a, I'd use a flash word called praxis. You gotta do something with this. You gotta activate it. I love, just to finish, Luke 4, it says of this, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And then he went into the synagogue as was his custom. And he picked up the scroll and he read it. And when he finished, he said, today the scripture is fulfilled. He put some skin in the game. Like I was listening to Dougal Sutherland, a clinical psychologist in our church movement. He said, you know, you need to identify your values, but then you need to decide on some behavior that will flow from them. And then he said this, you need to tell somebody. Come on, the final part of this five, if we're gonna flex our faith, take the power of the Spirit, the knowledge of His Word, embedded in community for a mission and do something. And do something. For, for two months, you were shut down and couldn't do anything. Now's the time, as Pastor Sam said, to move. Now's the time to act. Now's the time to accelerate. Now's the time to activate these things. And you know, some of the two snakes, I think sometimes the need for certainty just paralyzes. Oh, I don't know, is this God or not? Just step out. He'll redirect you if you're doing wrong, but you can't steer a stationary car. It's easy to steer a moving ship, a moving car, like get going. Which means the other snake is this, fear. But what's gonna happen if I step out? What if I get it wrong? What if, what if God doesn't come through? Come on, it's time to flex your faith. Let's take a risk to step out of the boat and walk on water. This is a moment to flex your faith. The power of the Spirit, the power of His Word, living that out in community for a great mission. And on the basis of that, let's do something. I don't know what's holding you back but I pray the Spirit just grabs something in your heart and goes, I want to walk towards that. I want to take hold of that.